Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. I'm so pleased today because we are joined by a guest who is part of an organization that has been a longtime member, long been a key part of the history of the Medical Alley community, and today plays a really important role for many of the companies we work with and an incredible number of companies around the world. I'm so pleased to be joined by Matt Tuharski, who's the president of Padilla. Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Frank, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Maybe the first thing you could do is, uh, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your work? Sure, absolutely. Um, so throughout my career, I've continuously uh, helped com- organizations communicate more effectively. That's the, that's my passion. That's what I uh, went to school for. And I was lucky enough to land in an organization in Padilla, at the time was Padilla Spear Beardsley, right. that was all about helping organizations communicate more effectively to achieve their business outcomes. And not everybody gets that opportunity to be in the same organization for 35 years and feel like they're continuously growing. And oh, that's yeah. that's uh, that's been my, my case. So I started out fresh out of school helping technology companies communicate effectively. Then I realized that it wasn't just technology they was interested. I was interested in complex topics and the interconnections and interrelationships between different groups of people. So gravitated into crisis management, gravitated into other complex um, industries like healthcare. Mm -hmm. And now I lead the organization. And so I, uh, uh, my job is to make sure that our people, our teams have the resources they need to help clients communicate more effectively. I gotta say that as someone who's been in medical alley for 18 years, I definitely resonate with like, you find the right place. And if you can keep growing, do it. You having been there for 35 years, I got to imagine you've had pretty much every job under the book at this point. (laughs) Well, you know, I kind of deconstructed it a couple of years ago and realized I probably had 10 different jobs in those 30 years, which makes sense because people do move around like that. But also I don't think I would be at Padilla for this long if Padilla hadn't been continuously evolving and transforming. You know, I've been involved in, seven acquisitions as the buyer and one acquisition as the seller a few years ago. And, you know, we've added new capabilities, new people, the fields changed. Um, You know, I just look at the kind of work we do and who we do it for um, and the people we have and just, it's always changing. And that makes it, uh, that makes it exciting for me and fresh. Yeah. Right on. Well, so what's a typical day end up looking like for you then? Because that sounds like you could have your hands in a, a lot of different kinds of things. If I'm but, not careful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and my teams don't want my hands in all those right. things. <laughs> it probably breaks down into, into three different categories. Mm-hmm. Category one is, is equipping our teams with the resources they need to be able to help clients be successful. And that might be the people resources. It might be technology resources, but it also might be ushering in best practices or ushering in new mm-hmm. capabilities and making sure that we are staying contemporary and that every client that works with us gets a Padilla experience, mm-hmm. um, regardless of who they're working with and which whatever our brands. So one is equipping our people. Second is, you know, working on clients. I get to work with clients. Um, I probably spend maybe 10, 15%, maybe mm-hmm. 20% of my time working with clients, usually not as the the primary contact, but I'm a I'm a member of the team. Right. And if that team needs help with executive presence, that team need, team needs help with positioning an organization that has in a complex, complex industry like healthcare, do a lot right. of work in healthcare. I, I work on clients uh, and I'm part of the team. And then the third is finding other great companies to work for because it's a shame when you see 
Um, and you see it all the time within medical alley. You come across these organizations that have incredible ideas, incredible mm-hmm. initiatives, and they fail not because they aren't great ideas or initiatives, but they fail because they weren't understood or appreciated um, or got the credit that they deserved. And that's a shame. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. And that, that drives me is making sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen. Uh, I am so with you on that. We do see that all the time. And it's one of the reasons I'm so glad to have you on. I mean, for those out there listening, we see this so often where there are great companies, great teams, but they don't tell their story. They don't tell their story in a small group or a big group to the public, to their investors, whoever it might be. And if they don't tell their story, it's very hard for them to get that product out into the market and actually help patients, which at the end of the day, that's the thing we signed up for. And this might be a good point to talk a little bit about Padilla itself. So I've known the firm for a very long time, but there probably are folks out there who aren't as familiar with the organization. What is Padilla? What what is it that you all do? Yeah. So um, public relations and strategic communications is extremely misunderstood. Mm. You know, people think that it's all about getting articles in the media. It might be (laughs) getting, you know, helping through a crisis or it could be launching this event. Yeah, it could be those things. But there's a much higher level purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, every organization that wants to transform, you you all help help, you know, it's in your ethos to help right. transform healthcare, right? Every organization that wants to transform is only going to be able to transform if people understand it, mm-hmm. if they appreciate it, and if they act on its behalf, whether it's customers, investors, employees, or the industry community or the local community. If people don't understand you, they don't appreciate you and don't act on your behalf, you are not going to achieve your goals. Our job is to make that happen. It's to to help an organization that's trying to transform, get people to understand it, get people to appreciate it, get people to act. That transformation could be entering a market. It could be getting into a new market. It could be being known for something different than they're known for today. It could be a crisis. If you're in a crisis, you want to transform out of the crisis. Could be changing how employees approach um, their their jobs or view the company. Anytime that transformation is happening, we get to help facilitate that. Could be through the media, could be through digital communications, through website, could be through events, could be through meetings, could be through mm-hmm. participation in great industry organizations like Medical Alley. We're helping advise them on how to do that. I really appreciate the way you put that because we hear that all the time. I've seen that where a company or a team gets focused on the tactical aspect. Right, the thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need a press release. Right. And they haven't thought about the why of it. And the transformation piece, I think about in the the last couple of years where throughout the pandemic, right, the entire world has been transformed in some fashion. And I, I have to think that's also true of communications, of communication strategy, and as I understand it, uh, the firm had conducted some research um, of executives, of leaders to find out, well, how would their communication change? Could you share a bit? What sure. did you learn? Yeah. And it was actually even upstream from the communications, ah. from the leadership. It's from how they change leadership. Um, we did a study. Um, we, well, it's a multi, multi-tiered study. We did interviews. We did surveys. We did ethnography study, mm-hmm. which is essentially just walking around and observing people. Because we had this hunch that leaders were leading differently yeah. as a result of all that's happened over the past three years. And we wanted to prove that out and, and see if that was true. And it, this actually all came as a result of uh, a friend and con- uh, contact over at 3M who uh. was bringing his team together for a retreat for the first time in three years. They hadn't seen each other oh, in three wow. years. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, 
he said, hey, would you come in and give us a, uh, some point of view on what you're seeing out there? And he said, well, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing leaders showing up differently. Yeah. How about we do some research to find out if that's just me or if that's true? And it, and it really was borne out. The pandemic, uh, social unrest, George Floyd's murder, mm-hmm. um, political polarization, emergence of climate change, um, uh, whipsaw economics, right. all these things have contributed to leaders being in a fundamentally different place than they were just a few years ago. And they're conflicted. They're they're more challenged than they ever have been. But the really good ones are actually showing up differently and, and approaching the job differently. They're creating more change-resilient environments. Uh-huh. They're taking a healthy approach to transparency and trying to figure out how mm-hmm. transparent they can be because um, it's a little bit of a fallacy to be completely transparent. <laughs> right. um, they're looking at uh, how they respond to criticism because they're getting criticism in different ways. They're they're being more human, not oh, yeah. just individuals, but as companies being more human. Mm-hmm. And all of those things collectively are different skills than they actually were brought right. up learning. And and so that's exciting. And so that was that's some of the the work we did. And we've actually been talking to a lot of organizations and a lot of clients about it. And it's amazing how you you share the the findings with the CEO and they just go, oh, "Yup." That's me. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, long answer to your question. No, but it's no. It's been, been really, really affirming. And it, it means it has implications for communication because you can't lead without communicating, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, talk a bit about that. Knowing this, and I'd say we've seen this as well. We had our, our annual summit just a few weeks ago as of the recording. And that was a big theme of it as well. The the changes in leadership as a result of the pandemic and the the challenge that so many leaders were having because they had spent in many cases 10, 20, 30 years learning how to lead in a certain environment. Totally. That environment is gone. It's changed. It's transformed. And now they're trying to figure it out again. How are they changing on the communication side? What are what are we doing different or what should we be doing different? Yeah. So so maybe we could talk about that that skill set transformation yeah. first, because that's pretty stark. We, you know, we asked uh, these C-suite leaders, both in the surveys and in, in interviews, mm-hmm. you know, what are the skill sets that kind of got you where you are today? Yeah. And there were things like, you know, competitiveness, um, stoicism, uh, you know, confidence, <laughs> having things all figured out, you know, and, you know, if, if, you know, kind of keeping your, your personal life, your personal life and your work life, your work life, it's all about the work, right? And and those were the skill sets that got them to the C-suite. But then we asked them, what skill sets are you finding yourself needing to exhibit now? Mm. Humanity, empathy, flexibility, wow. transparency. And these are things that were on the bottom of the list. Right. And and now they're the ones they're having to exhibit. And so they're learning new skill sets and those new skill sets are are challenging mm-hmm. because it's it's completely different behavior. So w- what are the implications for them as communicators? Mm-hmm. They're communicating with more intentionality. Every interaction they're having, because they can't have hallway conversations like they did before, even in right. a hybrid environment, every c- communication occasion, there's intentionality. What am I communicating? Um, they're needing to share more of their personal side but doing it in a way that connects it to the business without it making seem like literally everything's about the business. Right. They're using multiple channels. I can't just send an email. I've got to do an email. I've got to do an internal blog post. I got to talk about it at the company meeting. Um, I got to find different ways to reinforce it because I get sick of the topic long before everybody else does. Oh yes. Right. Uh, and they're also leveraging their teams more because they can feel like a broken record. 
And so they're asking their leadership teams then to step up and carry some of the water on communication so that people hear it from more than just them. So those are just some examples. Yeah. I mean, what it sounds like is much like our teams are more distributed today, the way we communicate has to become more distributed, not just me being confident in my message and delivering it and reaching that audience where they might be. Well, this is this is a, a always been a dilemma for the entrepreneurial mm. company. An entrepreneur can tell the story. That's <laughs> great. But if the entrepreneur is the only person that can tell the story, it's not a very good story. Right. And so this is the same kind of uh, application here. If the leader, the CEO, is the only person who communicates, it's not really communication. Yeah. It's not happening. It's got to infiltrate you. I mean, think about what you're really doing when you're thinking about communication in a, in a business setting is you're actually creating a network. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think about an IT network, it's got nodes on the network, it's got channels, it's got data running across it. You're actually creating human networks. Human networks, humans who you need to interact with each other and carry information. If it's just the CEO talking, that's like having a network with one node on it. Right. Um so so what you're trying to do as a leader is you're trying to facilitate a network of conversation about the topic you want to. So there's like a network theory to this that's kind of cool. And what about on the external side? You've talked a bit about the internal, the company communications. Mm-hmm. What about, how's it changed externally? I, I think of, you know, the media landscape, even in the, certainly the last 10, 15 years, but even in the last five years has changed so much. We have different options, different channels. How have leaders changed what they're doing externally? Well, as someone who, you know, one of my majors was journalism, mm. uh, I have a, I have a affinity for the importance of news mm-hmm. and, 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 and news media and really good journalism. I, I, you know, I watching it, it's still there. It's still mm-hmm. there. But seeing it erode and seeing what happens there is sad because I think it's an essential mm-hmm. part of our society and it's, and it's valuable to businesses. Indeed. Um, that said, it can't be the thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, a, a startup company or a small company who says make me famous by getting me in Wired or make me famous by putting me in modern healthcare or make me famous by getting me column six of page four of section two of the Wall Street Journal, uh, there's no value in that. Mm-hmm. And it's, an empty, it's empty calories and <laughs> it's not going to be effective. Instead, it's got to be what, what do I need to communicate? What story do we need to tell? What story is going to resonate with people mm-hmm. and what are the places that they're going to consume that information? You know what? These days, some companies are finding it's better to break news in the industry trade publication yeah. than it is in the New York Times. And, and you know, get the ego out of the way and figure out where your audiences are getting their information and communicate through that. Indeed. And that's probably a life lesson in everything. Get the ego out of the way. Hey, I can make you right. famous pretty quickly. Go, mm-hmm. go commit a crime. I'll get you on right. the front page of Forbes, <laughs> right? But But- you know, getting you known again, back to understood, appreciated in action, understood and appreciated by the right people is less about making you famous and more Mm -hmm. about you demonstrating how you're relevant to them. Yeah. Well, and maybe take that one further step then. So if the leaders of today, you know, adapt to these changes and they're doing the effective communications internally and externally, 
what's the punchline on that? What is they that? get to keep the their jobs? Yeah, <laughs> you know, seriously. If if you yeah, that sounds really glib, but nah, right if on. if those leaders are communicating effectively, if people are hearing their story, if they're resonating with the story, if they want to learn more, yeah. if they if they change their behavior, if they burn a calorie as a result of that communication, and it's in the interests of helping that organization transform, mm-hmm. well, that CEO's job just got a whole lot easier. Think about trying to affect big change, trying yeah. to affect any change in an organization if people don't understand it. It isn't going to happen. So this idea of communications maybe being this sort of afterthought or fluffy, right? you know what? My challenge to you is try and get your job done without communicating effectively. That doesn't mean always hiring a firm. It doesn't mean hiring a big department. But you have to be more intentional and 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 purposeful about it or it's not going to your, – your job, your job is going to be really hard. Yeah. And, I mean, speaking of kind of hard times, you know, the last couple of months, depending on what metrics you follow or how you think about the economy or maybe even your politics, the economy has been a little rougher, more uncertain. Macroeconomic conditions are not as heady as they were, say, 6, 9, 12 months ago. It depends on what industry you're in, right? Right, yeah, yeah. and that too, right on. Mm-hmm. Um if companies are thinking about, okay, we're going to have to tighten up, we need to be really focused, I would imagine you'd advise, and I would agree, good communications is still central, maybe even more important at that point. But how should companies be thinking about it in times like this where maybe it's almost crisis-like, depending on the industry you're in? How do they approach that? Well, it's it's really easy to communicate good news, mm-hmm. you know, but just communicating good news only takes you so far in building trust with the people mm-hmm. that you're trying to build trust with. Think about the moments of truth. You know, it, trust is at the heart of this, right? Think about the moments of truth with anyone that you have a trustworthy relationship with. Those moments of truth were more likely formed when there was a time of adversity oh, yeah. than there was during during all good news. Yeah, if you have those people you know where it's all happy, sweetness, and light, you kind of wonder under underneath whether or not the, <laughs> everything's okay. It's when you have the hard conversations and you get through those hard conversations and, and, and further the relationship on the other side. So, so yeah, there's adversity out there right now. I mean, I, I've got whiplash. You know, every week, every day, there's some good thing happens and some not good thing happen. Communicating with candor, mm-hmm. which by the way is different, I think, than than 100% transparency. Mm-hmm. Communicating with candor about where things are at and where they're going, and giving people an idea of what uh, what's what's in store without making undue promises. That's to me where relationships really are formed, um, and that's you know was one of the things in the study we did. There's a quote from one of the um, CEOs that I interviewed. He said, "Look." People want me to tell them that there's rough waters ahead and mm. that we're going to get wet. They just want me to also assure them that the boat isn't going to sink. Right. You know, so that to me is candor. Hey, this isn't going to be all sweetness and light, but if we do this, this, and this, we're going to come through it and we're going to come through it stronger. That to me is different. You know, transparency, that, that I think is a little bit, <laughs> I don't want anybody to think Matt's, Matt says, don't be transparent. Um, <laughs> But 100% transparency is like being naked, mm-hmm. okay? And very few people look good naked. <laughs> um, there's times when you have to, you can't literally share everything that, go, that goes on. 
and the demand for more transparency is legitimate. Mm-hmm. The de- demand for full transparency is wholly impractical. Right. It's a little bit like when I in the, in our talk on this CEO leadership thing. It's a little bit like a CEO and and his or her leadership team working at a chef's table in a restaurant. Yeah. You've all kind of seen the chef's table, right? Mm-hmm. All the patrons sit around the outside and watch the crew make the dinner. Oh yeah. You can't drop a piece of chicken <laughs> without everybody seeing it. You can't have an argument with the pastry chef. And the whole idea that you know, you're basically you're basically making the meal, leading the organization while everybody's watching and oh by the way they're judging you. Right? That's full tra- yeah, that's transparency. Mm-hmm. That's a tough environment to be yeah. able to make good solid decisions that require back and forth and a little bit of wrangling. What's happening is you're getting translucency instead. Look, we're not going to share literally everything, but we are going to give you some insight onto what we're working on. We're going to tell you some of the challenges. We're going to tell you some of the options, but you're going to have to give us a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that we need to figure out some of these things on our own. Mm. Sorry, that was, that was a little bit of a, that no, was a, that bit was of a soapbox, but that's kind of, that's kind of what's, what's happening with leadership these days. Yeah. And it, it's been very clear in the whole discussion, like you're passionate about this. This is for real. I'm I'm just curious, what is it that motivates you in all this sort of like what carries you forward? Uh, I kind of said it at the beginning. Mm. I get really disappointed when I see those great ideas or initiatives fail because they were misunderstood. Yeah. Decisions are tough. Entrepreneurs are 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 courageous. Mm-hmm. Business leaders in, in healthcare and other industries have vision that they want to see happen. And it's sad when it doesn't happen, not because it wasn't a good idea, but because they didn't, they weren't able to get other people on board. Right on. Matt, that's a great place to wrap it up, I think. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective and uh, being a part of the Medical Alley community. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity. And thanks for all you guys do. It's uh, it's an important part of uh, uh, not, uh, not just the Twin Cities healthcare community, but the healthcare community as, as a whole. Thank you. Really appreciate that. You bet. Thanks, Frank. Yeah. And folks, that's been another episode of the Medical Alley Podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure you check out medicalalleypodcast.org or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast fix. And hey, would you do me one small favor? Would you share this episode with just one person in your network? It would help spread the word and share these great stories a little bit further, and I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have a great day.